delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Tower on the Horn, Greg Way with you from uh, inside the press conference room here at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, moments away from the uh, head coaches news conference, Caitlin DeBoer of Washington and Steve Sarkeesian of the University of Texas. In fact, uh, here's the opening comments and then we'll uh, get right to the news conference. This year is Texas, home team is Washington. We'll allow Coach Sarkeesian uh, get to the stage. He, that's a visiting team. He will do the first opening statement, followed by Coach DeBoer, as Washington is the home team. We are doing uh, ASAP recording remotely. That means hands need to be raised, and you need to uh, direct your question in the mic and to the coach you want answered. So with that, coaches, Coach Sarkeesian, if you could start with an opening statement about the week. Yeah, uh, it's great to be here. Um, I think this is, uh, you know, Credit to the Alamo Bowl and all that they've done. Uh, this has been a great week for our players. Uh, I think that our, uh, you know, it's been an awesome experience. We've had good events, great practice site. Um, um, you know, I think all in all, I think it's, you know, you get to this point of the week of getting ready to actually play the game, um, which is the fun part. You know, I know that we've put in a lot of work. Uh, I think our players have put in a lot of work. Um, and we needed to. A great deal of respect uh, for the University of Washington, their football team, their program. It's got a great team. Um, we've uh, we've had to prepare hard and prepare well. I think our kids have done that. I think our staff has done that. Um, and we've enjoyed the week. Uh, but now we're we're at that point. I think everybody's ready to play the game. So excited about it. Looking forward to a great ball game tomorrow night. Coach DeBoer. Yeah, I think a lot of the same things uh, Coach Sark just mentioned. Um, uh, just you know, tip of the hat to, to everyone here associated with the Alamo Bowl. Um, it's been, you know, what you hope. It's an awesome experience for your guys. Uh, you know, they uh, they put in a lot of work throughout the season. And it's a it's a great reward to be here. And uh, obviously, playing the game is going to be a, be you know the, the the final piece to it. And um, just everything from uh, the travel and the the uh, the times here with the events. Um, our guys have had a great time. So appreciate. Everyone who's put a lot of work into it, and uh, you know our guys have been working hard too. Uh, once they flipped on the film um, and started really diving into to Coach Sark and and, and UT, um, their football program, um, understand what we're going to face, uh, what we're going to face tomorrow night. Um, they knew they had to put the work in, and so they've been doing that. And we're excited uh, about the challenge that lies ahead. All right, questions, hands up, front row, left half. Coach Sark, Quinn said yesterday that uh, he thought he had it figured out after the Oklahoma game and that the Oklahoma State game was a kind of a moment where he needed to dig in. Have you seen him mature since that late October game a lot and especially over the course of these bowl practices to where he's doing a lot more things that aren't freshmen but more college football player? Yeah, I think so. I think one thing that is um, 
it's hard when you're a young player and you have some some instant success is that you think you do have it figured out and um, there's a lot that goes into uh, playing quarterback uh, at this level and whether it's on the field off the field um, you know fighting through adversity um, persevering through adversity um, and I think Quinn's had to do that um, he's kind of been um, exposed to a lot the good and the bad, the, the the tough times in game, the tough times off the field. I think it's forced maturity. Um, I think he's handled it really well. I think he's he's represented the University of Texas really well, um, and I think I've seen him grow. And I, I've said this you know, all along. I think the the past couple weeks he's probably thrown the ball and and we've executed the passing game better than we have for the last couple months, quite frankly. And uh, that's encouraging because I think that a lot of that is is his buy-in, his want to, his commitment to it. Uh, not that he wasn't committed before, but there's another level of commitment that you go to as a player. And I, I think Coach can speak to that. You know, He's got a veteran quarterback, Michael Penix, great player. He had to fight through some of those similar adversities. I've, I've watched his, his growth. And um, that's part of the process at this level. You know, I think we, we live in a world of instant gratification. And, um, you know, perseverance is kind of a little bit of a, of a lost trait. Uh, but when you see guys that have it and you see them fight through, I think there's a, another level of, of gratification that you can go to. And I think Quinn has, Quinn has seen that, and um, we've seen it in him. Front on this side, middle. Um, Steve, with uh, Roshan and Bijan obviously out for this game, what kind of opportunity is there for those younger running backs? And I'm not expecting you to give me a split breakdown, but will those guys, Jaden, Jonathan, Keelan, all have a chance on Thursday? Yeah, all, all three of those guys will play. Um, you know, obviously Keelan is is not a young guy. Keelan's a veteran player for us. You know, he's been with me his true freshman year when he was at Alabama, so I think he's very comfortable systematically with what we do. Uh, obviously, just hasn't had the opportunities, but when he's gotten his opportunities, he's been an explosive player for us. He's he's provided um, a lot of versatility to our offense. Uh, Jonathan, in the, in the opportunities he's had from a year ago to this year, every time he's gotten the ball, he's played well for us. And then we're obviously all really excited about Jaden Blue. Um, he's a guy that's probably matured as much or more than any of our true freshmen from spring ball till now. Um, so we're fortunate. It's a talented group. Uh, now they're going to get their opportunity to, to go play and, and play at a high level against a good team. Middle front. Front row. For Kalen, I'm just wondering what you think this game means for a program where you know half of your guys' games this season were very late on the East Coast, and you may not be ranked as highly as some think you deserve to have a game like this against a big brand like Texas. It's another late game, but what do you think it means in terms of national exposure and just proving that you belong among the nation's best? Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, one of the things we talked about um, early on. Uh, we, we've spoke of that throughout the season when we've had – um, those earlier starts on national TV, and uh, this is one of those. And so um, certainly a, a great opportunity for our guys. Uh, they're proud, and we're proud of what we've, uh, we've accomplished this year and uh, really looking forward to, to put our product out there um, for, uh, mm -hmm. for, the, for the country to see. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to that opportunity. Second row, middle. Coach Sark, last time you brought us down here, your offense scored 56, your defense gave up 67. What are the chances of your offense putting up 56 tomorrow and your defense 
giving up 67. I hope it doesn't go that way again. That was uh, my neck was sore after that. I felt like I was, it was a tennis match. Um, but you know, bowl games, you never know, man. They're they're crazy in how they can go. And obviously, um, Washington's got a very explosive offense. These guys are fantastic uh, playmakers. They've got a great scheme, really good quarterback, good up front. Um, so. Uh, we're going to have to score. We understand that, but but hopefully we don't have to get ourselves to the 60. That would not would not be good. I, I don't think for us, and probably not for them either. So, uh, we, uh, you know, hopefully it's just a it's a good football game. Hopefully we tackle well, which is going to be important. That's always your concern going into a bowl game um, when you, you know, when you're off for about a month is is tackling and then conditioning. Um, I think we're we're prepared for those two things, but that's that's always the challenge going into a bowl game. And just real quick, those of us from Seattle, you know, followed you through your career. And um, one of my guys yesterday said that um, you're a lot less Pete Carroll and a lot more Nick Saban. How have you? How are you different today <laughs> than you were your first um, year at Washington? I, I, I still think I got a lot of Pete Carroll in me. Um, you don't spend eight years with somebody and not uh, and them not have an impact on your career. But but from that time, you know, I got to spend three three out of five years with Nick Saban. And I think you learn a lot that way too. Obviously two different ends of the spectrum of the way they go about their business. Uh, but the end result, they're all, both guys are winners and they do it their way. And I think the biggest thing I found out for me is how do you be Steve Sarkeesian and not try to be Pete Carroll, not try to be Nick Saban, but be me. Um, and I think that has, has created a lot of comfort for, for myself and for our staff and for our players that they know what to expect on a daily basis for me. Uh, and ultimately, I think your team starts to take on your own personality. And I think that, that we've, got a, we've got a good personality on our team. We work hard. We're tough. We're disciplined. Uh, but yet we know how to have fun together. And so I think that's probably a little bit of a blend of both. Um, I'm fortunate, man. I've, I've got a chance to work under two of the best in our era of coaches. And um, I don't take that lightly. There's a, there's a lot to be gained and a lot to be learned from both guys. We'll go Kirk and Cedric. Uh, Steve, obviously you want to win every game, but when you're building a program and you're in your second year, uh, what do you feel like is at stake in a bowl game like this? Well, there's nothing like, you know, for us, getting nine wins. Um, just look at the last decade of Texas football. When was, how many times has there been nine wins in a season? And, um, you know, we're trying to build something that, that is sustainable, uh, that can withstand the test of time. We don't want to be a one-hit wonder. We want to be able to build this the right way, and I think we are doing that. I think our players recognize that, um, but validity is winning, right? I mean, that, you, you are what your record says you are. And, um, you know, that's why I think this game is obviously very important to, to all of us in our organization. Uh, it's going to take a really good effort. You know, we're going to have to play really well in this game to do that. Uh, but inevitably, I think we're doing a lot of things the right way. I think we're, we're coaching the right way. I think we're recruiting the right way. I think we've instilled the, the, the culture in our, in our team the, the right way. Um, but inevitably, it comes down to performing and uh, performing the right way on game day. And that's the next opportunity we have is tomorrow night. Steve, that's a um, real fast track down the hall. And there have been fireworks in this stadium. Uh, what do you remember most about that um, shootout with RG3? And what did you learn from that experience? We were just talking about it. Yeah, and I remember. He had a fantastic game. I think he had seven, counted for seven touchdowns, threw for over 400 yards. I mean, it was a fantastic performance. 
going against RG3, who was the Heisman Trophy winner at that time. I also remember we couldn't stop the run. Uh, it felt like, man, they were handing the ball off, and it was like just chunk after chunk. Um, but it was, uh, it was a great game. Um, you know, we, we had an opportunity to go up three scores. We couldn't do it, and they, they were an explosive group. Our, you know, Coach Bryles had that team rolling at that time. Um, but um, like I said, I, I, hope we're, I hope we're not in the 50s and 60s tomorrow night. That, that probably wouldn't bode well. Front, middle, brown shoes. This one is for uh, Coach Kellen DeBoer. Just around the messaging you've talked to the team about playing well when the whistle blows, good fundamental football, and not worrying about making the statements, any of that, just playing good fundamental football against a tough team. Yeah, it's always uh, what you can control, you know, and uh, that's just the way we've gone about it from day one. A year ago when we got together, and, uh, you know, um, no, I know I've been asked what, what's going to be a successful season. You know, what's going to what's going to take wins wise? And, um, you know, it wasn't never about that. It was about us every day being the best we can be. And, uh, you know, that continuous uh, improvement that happens throughout the course of the year. And and I think we have improved in a lot of those areas that matter. And it starts with what we can control. And so, um, you know, just like uh, coach said, um, you know, the, the tackling piece. I mean, it's been over a, a month since we played and. And I think we're sharp. I think we're we're practicing hard. Um, but you know, there's another level of intensity that happens, especially in a in a in a big bowl game like this. And so, um, you know, our guys uh, have been up to the task, and I think they uh, they understand. And and we're trying to get back to that grit and that that uh, determination that it took to win some big games in November. You know, and the mindset that you have to have, uh, you know, in those games. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take all of that and then some uh, tomorrow night. Two on the end. Back to back. Coach DeBoer, when you watched the Texas film, was there a particular game that just like jumped off the screen to you where you said, wow, this is, you know, really impressive for you? And Coach Sarkeesian, kind of the same question for you. When you watched the Washington film, was there like a particular game or moments that kind of jumped off the screen for you as well? Yeah, I don't think there's one particular game. I think it's uh, what you see is as the season's going on. Um, the close games and the, the competitive battles against the teams that are in the national playoff are, are winning a conference championship. I think the physicality um, just overall, uh, especially here late in the year, is what jumps off the screen to me. And, um, you know, starting on the defensive side, and, you know, each and every day um, their offense has to go against their defense. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the piece that I see is that there's a, there's a physicality, there's intensity that uh, – you know, Texas plays with that uh, we're going to have to be ready for? Yeah, I think for me, I think there's a totality of a body of work, right? These guys have, have played well all year. I think one game that stood out to me, because I've, I've been in the game, I think going to Eugene and beating, beating Oregon in Eugene um, in a, in a hard-fought game against a really good Oregon football team, that was really impressive um, because their backs were against the wall. Uh, Oregon kind of got a little bit of control of the game, had the lead, had a chance to kind of solidify it. And UW kept fighting and kept finding a way and finding a way and, and ultimately got a victory in a, in a heck of a rivalry game on the road. And I know that that was a uh, – being – have been part of that game, that's a, that's a huge moment uh, for, for, that, for that football team and that school and, and, the, and the city of Seattle. I know that that was a big moment for them. And obviously there was other great wins and winning the Apple Cup and all those things. You see the body of work throughout the season. And they, they, they're kind of unfortunate um, because the Pac-12 changed the rule this year not to have a north and a south division. 
um, to where if it was north and south, they would have been representing the north and playing for a conference championship. So kind of fell on a little bit of bad luck uh, the way that it went, or they, they you could be staring at the, the Pac-12 champs right now. So the reality of it is that this is a really good football team, and it's a totality of the body of work. But I do know um, going to get in that win in Eugene, that, that, that's, a, that's a heck of a win. Kalen, obviously you guys are still waiting on a decision from Rome, but have you been at all surprised by basically all, all your other underclassmen who were looking at the draft choosing to come back? And is there a, a piece of feedback from, from those guys that, that stood out to you for why they, why they wanted to come back to this program next year? Uh, I, I, it doesn't surprise me, but I know it's uh, it's really hard decision. And so um, as the season was kind of coming to an end, the last uh, two, three, four weeks, um, you know, you, you had those conversations and uh, just kind of started to get a feel of what they needed to know. And uh, you could tell, you can tell in the tone of that conversation uh, what they would like to do, uh, but they really need to do the research and understand what the opportunity could be, um, especially moving on to the NFL. And so I'm proud of um, just the, the way they've, that each guy has been thorough in his own way, you know, uh, the the uh, the piece of uh, making sure that uh, in the end they do what's best for them, um, but I think the the common theme has been a lot of uh, you know they don't want to miss out on what's ahead you know here in this program and and uh, they're excited about what they've built and what they uh, you know the, what the opportunity is not just in this game but uh, you know the next season and so um, when you have those relationships uh, you know amongst your team. Um, they, you know, they don't want to miss out, and uh, they know how important each of them are to uh, the success of the others. And, you know, we are waiting for Rome, but um, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me. But I, I never took it for granted. You know, a guy like Jalen McMillan, who was one of the latter ones to make an announcement. You know, well, he's he's pretty much let us know even during the regular season towards the end that uh, he felt in his heart that this was what was best. And I think a lot of his teammates knew that, and um, that may have even influenced their decision you know, as much as it feels the other way from the outside. And so uh, I'm just proud of the guys and uh, super excited about the future. Um, we have work to do, and we got to make sure uh, that we take care of business um, and, and give everything we got in this game, um, especially uh, for those that don't have another chance to play, and that's our senior class, which is uh, 14 guys that um, have, have really, you know, left their mark and left a legacy, um, especially after a year ago, um, you know, and turn it around from a 4-8 and eight season. Front right. Sark, for um, <clears throat> can you talk about what you've seen from Jonathan Brooks in the in the bowl practices? What stands out, and you know, to what degree does he have to prove himself still to you and the coaches? And how will this game play into that? Well, I think Jonathan has done a nice job for the last two years of following the guys in front of him. He had he had great leaders in front of him with Bijan, Roshan, and, and Keelan. Those, those guys go about their business like pros. Um, they're very intentional in what they do, not just on the football field, uh, but in workouts, in the classroom, in life, the way they, the way they conduct themselves. So, so I think he's had great role models that way. And he goes about his business the same way. Um, the one thing Jonathan can do, he's a natural runner with the football in his hands. And whether it's between the tackles, on the perimeter, uh, he's, got, he's got great ball skills. Um, and so the, the biggest thing for us is for him just to go out and be him, uh, not try to do more than – than what he's already shown us. You know, he's more than capable to be a very good football player for us. Um, so now it's just about 
being in the moment and just being him and, and not trying to do more. Front right. It goes to board building off of what Christian said. How can a positive result in this game springboard the program into 2023 with effectively most of the team coming back? Yeah, I think it's uh, just builds on the momentum that we've had, especially here in the last six weeks uh, of the season. And, um, you know, that momentum is just, uh, it's always been positive. It's always uh, going the right direction. So I think it just adds to that, um, um, you know, and so um, the, the guys are excited uh, and new challenges, right? New challenges, not just within our conference now, but outside of our conference, um, you know, uh, the greatest challenge up to this point and, uh, you know, against a really good football team. And so, um, it, it will it will say a lot about uh, you know the preparation and, and what that what this means to them uh, with the effort that they put forth tomorrow. Middle back, Caitlin. Just about Michael Penix. This is a, a young man that came to Seattle, had to battle two local kids, beats the Ducks, beats the Cougs. It's been quite a year for him. What's impressed you the most about your quarterback? Uh, probably just the poise through it all. Um, you know, I think uh, in some cases, looking back on it, there might have been as much pressure winning the position. Um, I hate to say that because there's a lot of pressure in those individual games, and especially after you're not surprising anyone with your production. But I think winning that position and then, you know, having to dive into winning the football team, you know, uh, and I, I don't think it took long because after a, a game um, or even just a couple throws that he made uh, to start the season, I think. Um, you know, I know the the the, the Husky Nation was uh, impressed, and they had started. Our team had seen that throughout practice, but I think the poise and uh, just everything that he has showed, uh, you know, throughout the year. I think the the cool thing is is that he's got this really neat personality, and um, you know, he's comfortable with who he is, and uh, you know, more and more, I think anyone who's following our program is seeing that come out. And uh, there's an intensity to him as far as getting prepared and getting ready to play and being the best he can be and putting the work in. But there's also this just, uh, you know, man, just another one of the guys, you know, a great teammate who, um, you know, assumes the leadership role when needed and necessary and when it really is hard, but also um, just really laid back and, uh, you know, not above anyone else in the football team. So, you know, the humble and hungry, uh, that definitely applies to everything Mike's all about. Fourth row, black shirt. Sark, you've got some pretty good leaders that have been leaders for you the last two years moving on after this season. I was just wondering, during the during the bowl practices, have you seen guys that, that are planning on coming back next year step up into those leadership roles, and how important has that been to identify those guys and know who your leaders are going to be when you guys get back in January? Yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. Um, you know, I... Like a guy to me that has really stood out that I've seen from my time here from the beginning to where we are now has been Trevondre Sweat. I mean, this guy has really started to mature in a way that is he has a really positive impact on the guys around him. Obviously, he's a he's a really good football player, um, imposing figure, and obviously demands kind of respect when when he when he speaks, but yet. I think he's doing it in a way of maturity um, and in his own way. I think the players really respect that about him. Um, that, that has definitely uh, shined through. I think JT Sanders is another guy who, you know, came in with a lot of hype, 
freshman year. It was a special teams player, then produced on the field this year as a sophomore. I think he's grown into his own of, of, of being that, that leader mentality. I think Jalen Ford in his own way. I think anytime you perform first, then your voice carries a lot more carries a lot more weight. And I think that's one of the things about all three of those guys. Um, they performed this year. They produced this year. And now they're, now they're stepping into those leadership roles, and they carry a lot more weight and a lot more validity when they speak. We'll do final two questions, front row, second row. And then we'll ask the coaches to pose for a photo before we close the press conference. Coach DeBoer, um, with all the opt-ins back for this game and for next season, how has that sort of maintained the team cohesion and made it easier to prepare for this game? Yeah, the, uh, I mean, less distractions, right? Um, you know, it doesn't mean there hasn't been in conversations uh, just because it isn't about necessarily the opting in for this game, but just the future that we were talking about for so many guys and trying to figure out, figure out if uh, they're moving on to the next level, if they're sticking around. So um, there's no, I, I really do feel internally, and we haven't really talked about it, but I do feel like there's, uh, again, that momentum um, that continues to just uh, keep us moving forward when you see uh, another guy and, and uh, you know, more and more guys um, deciding that they want to stick around and be a part of this, uh, not just this week, but, uh, you know, on to next year in 2023. Final question, second row, second row Greg, pull over. Coach DeBoer, um, your secondary has been beat up and depleted all year. And when you look at Texas, you've got a guy who can blow the top off the defense in Xavier Worthy. Uh, how big of a concern that is. And Coach Sark, you recruited John Ross and Coach John Ross. How similar is Xavier and John Ross? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's uh, – I'm certainly aware of who he is. Uh, he, he's from Fresno and, uh, you know, knew uh, who he was through the, his high school years and, uh, and what he's capable of. And um, we, we got to – you know, when you have a well-rounded team and a balanced attack like they have offensively, um, you can't just focus on him uh, because the the run game has certainly been a, a force as well. So, um, you know, we, we have to, as a defensive backfield and just as a defense as a whole, um, understand, uh, you know, uh, you know where people are at and, and what uh, what those tendencies are and uh, do a good, really good job of staying on our toes. And, um, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, Worthy, um, you know, certainly has that capability to beat you at any time. Yeah, I, I think there is, that's a fair comparison. Um, you know, the the elusiveness, the the ability to get to top end speed like Ross had and Xavier has, it, there's definitely similarities there for sure. And, you know, I, I credit Xavier a lot. You know, you can come in with natural ability, but he works his tail off. And he's the f that I can't beat him out there. I mean, he's always working on his craft. Um, and that that's a sign of a great player. And, you know, John Ross was very similar. He worked at his craft. Uh, you know, I remember playing Ross on defense at times. I mean, we were just didn't have the secondary. We put him at nickel, um, and I don't know if everybody knew it yet. We only played one coverage every time he went in. It was man because that's that's what he could do, and he knew how to do it. Xavier could probably be a great DB too. I mean, it's, they have the movement skills, uh, the ball skills. They have both have really high football IQs. They understand the game, uh, so that's that's probably a fair comparison. Thank you, coaches. We, it's our pleasure to host you this week. If you could stand for one final photo together. And there it is, the uh, pre-Alamo Bowl news conference with the two head coaches, Kalen DeBoer of Washington and, of course, uh, Steve Sarkeesian for University 
of taxes. Coming up, uh, Jeff Howe will have uh, this hour's Longhorn Notebook for you, and then we'll continue with Like the Tower from the Alamo Dome, live here on the Horn, 1049-1019, AN1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Longhorn football has one more game in 2022. Texas faces Washington in the Alamo Bowl for a shot. The M&M return cut would not be played if Craig were present. <laughs> like Craig steps away for two minutes. Craig just stepped out. He had to handle something, so he'll be back in a minute. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Howe, Light the Tower on the Horn, uh, just wrapped up the Alamo Bowl pregame press conference. Snoop, why do you change up the return cuts? So well, it, well it's definitely when uh, whoever is uh, taking the, the host role, like, for example, yesterday uh, Chad came in and I started playing Raining Blood by Slayer. <laughs> so you know, it's it's definitely I want to uh, I don't know. You try to you try to make it fit our, our personality. Yeah, you know, uh, Bruce Bruce Lee said it. He's like, uh, be like water. You know, you love you love going to that the, the Bruce Lee the Bruce Lee line. <laughs> yes, you know, you can be you know you had to be malleable and you know it, oh, it helps Look me at you going to the the Rod Babers book of vocabulary. Uh, so it's Texas and Washington tomorrow night in the Alamo uh, in the Alamo Bowl at the Alamo Dome. Uh, Eight o'clock kickoff, Bud Light pregame uh, with Bald on Line is going to start at three o'clock with Rod Babers, Mike Harge, and Patrick Davis. Uh, they'll be at the Lavaca Street Bar, the Rock Rose location in the Domain, going from three to seven. Uh, they'll be there from three to seven, and then, as you know, an hour before the game starts, we send you to uh, the network pregame with Craig Way. Roger Wallace, Will Matthews, they will be live from the Alamo Dome. Also, quick programming note. So with Texas and the Cowboys both playing on Thursday, you can hear the Alamo Bowl on 104.9. And then on Coke FM, 98.5 and 99.3, the Cowboys game, you can hear that on 101.9 or AM 1260. So just file that away for further notice. Uh, we, uh, we've gone through some Longhorn basketball. We talked a little Longhorn football. Now we got to pay some bills and get to the uh, the Flex 30 segment with Snoop. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Shout out to Brain Vault and Dr. Yeah. Acker for sponsoring this segment. Dr. You. Snoop, uh, yes. you got some. You, who'd you see yesterday? What stood out to you uh, with, you, uh, with the round well, tournament yesterday? Well, well right? with the tournament again, like Craig uh, mentioned, these are non-district contests and really just like a right. litmus test for for teams. So they aren't going all out, all out. But I think a, a Cedar Ridge is pretty good. Twenty-five six A, which has Maynard, uh, uh, Vandergriff, Round Rock. Westwood, they got all legit teams that that can make the playoffs and low key Jeff and I'm excited to cover. I think it's 27 4A <laughs> mm-hmm. in basketball. It has Wimberley, Fredericksburg. It's this crazy, crazy like eight team district, and none of the teams stink at basketball. Like they're all legit can can hoop. So. Nice. And, and I've never like gotten deep into Pori, so I'm excited for that in the hoop season. But I do want to just real quick shout out um, our all super soft list uh, that's available right now at flexatx.com. Uh, 210 sophomores identified, and, and they're our future. You know, these guys, we're, two years from now, we're going to be talking about these guys as seniors. Uh, and uh, real quick, I wanted to, to highlight some linemen, uh, in particular, our offensive and defensive lineman MVP, Jared Reisinger. At a Westlake is a name that you might not have heard a lot about, is, is because his name wasn't you know uh, uh, Tyler Na- uh, Knapp or T.J. Shanahan, but Risinger, mm-hmm. low key, 
was a, a was a stud for Westlake's offensive line and didn't get his name said a lot, but he's going to be a big part of Westlake's try to get back to that state championship next year. And then our defensive lineman MVPs, uh, uh, Justin Lee from Round Rock, who actually won newcomer for 25-6A, and Ian Witt for, for Vandegrift, which led the team to the state championship. So we have a lot of youngsters coming back. We want to have success similar to this year, but, Jeff, we actually want to win state too. I know, like, win state. It's, you know, winning is hard, to quote Tom Herman. <laughs> but, uh, we're, we, let's let's not do that. We're, we're already at the Alamo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but that is uh, my Flex 30, and uh, we're, we're still going hard for y'all. <laughs> Check us out, flxatx.com. No, that's all good. Um, yeah, the one kid that stands out to me, two that stand out, because we had when we had our all full hour marathon, uh, two guys that yeah. kept coming up. Uh, Caleb Dickey from Crockett kept coming up, and then uh, Ed Small, man, Snoop. I just wonder, is he going to have a decision to make like a football versus baseball? He, he loves he just that much he, better of a baseball. What's it, what was funny to me is like I think Braden Buchanan from Vandergrift and Ed Small. I mean, they, I saw something that had Ed Small as the number one outfielder in the nation, and he was, like, coming out of eighth grade. I'm like, who yeah. makes this? So, anyway, he's really good. I think he proved last year that he's just a freak athlete because they bracket covered him, and he still had 15 touchdowns. Like, he's that freak. Like, if you throw the ball up, he's going to go get it. Um, but, yeah, Ed Small is interesting because I wanted to really make him the all-super-soft MVP, but then what Cody Stover did for Wimberley. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you take yeah. your team to state, you rush for 1,100 yards, you throw for 2,450 total touchdowns. Like, like he, you have to give it to him. But, uh, but and the other guy that you mentioned, um, uh, oh, oh, not, uh, oh, who's the other guy you mentioned? Caleb oh, Dickey oh, yeah, Caleb Dickey. Crockett. That's the other guy. Like, uh, initially, I had Gustavo Cordova and, and Justin Lee as my co defensive MVPs because they both played in 6A, and I tried to. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna front. I tried to like discredit a little bit Caleb Dickey uh, for for playing kind of in, in that district because it's a little. You know, it's not six A, but he had a hundred and and thirty seven <laughs> tackles and like forty of them were for losses and twenty yeah, sacks. Nineteen sacks. Like, yeah. so he has to get it. Like, even if you're playing at that level, you have to actually care enough to put up those kind of yeah. numbers. And like some people, I think would get disinterested. And he obviously. Don't give a damn. Yeah. yeah, Christian Watson from LBJ is another one. Uh, it's a really tw- – the 25 class in our area is, is going to be really good. And don't forget, in the class of 2026, Gerald Mays started every game on the offensive line for Weiss as a freshman. Yes. So, oh, this, so, yeah, really several good. freshmen. The, dude, the the fish well, – I might have to start doing a, fat, a freshman because, Jeff, there's more and more freshmen starring mm-hmm. – I mean, producing on varsity. It's – Weird, but it's no 2023. I, th- I, I think probably – Craig rejoins us. Yeah, I, yeah. I think one of the things that probably makes me feel older than anything or anybody else is when I hear somebody talk about like you just well, – Tyrex just went out. <laughs> this is the second time it's happened. Let's give it a second, audience. If not, we're going to go to a break, and then I'm going to play some commercials, and we'll come back with the rest of Life Tower. All right, this is what happened last time. So uh, if it's longer than a 10-second silent break, I'm going to play a break. We're going to reconnect. Hey, it's live radio. You can either hear a normal show, or you can hear the end of the world. I think they're coming back. Guys? Okay, they're back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we only had, for a sec? Yeah, well, we were gone for like oh, 30 seconds. 
But, oh, okay. okay. But you had left off when you were talking about what makes you feel old. Yeah, uh, hearing about uh, recruiting classes or signing classes, like class of 26. Or, or as Jeff said, he mentioned, the uh, first one he co- covered was a class of 06. So either one would make you feel old, no doubt about that. All right, uh, let's get to uh, this hour's Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Okay, uh, we just uh, broadcast the news conference. How about uh, – your take on it, your thoughts on uh, the recap of the head, head coach's news conference. Here. I and I don't I don't do this to you know toot my own horn or anything, but I usually go with the question I ask because that's what's top of sure. mind for me going into the press conference. I, I I thought the three guys he mentioned when I asked about leaders because look, you're not going to replace Roshan Johnson as a leader. You can't replace him. You know, guys have to be themselves. And and, and similar to what Sark talked about with Jonathan Brooks, hey, it doesn't have to be Bijan or Roshan. Just do you. Uh, you know. Try not to do too much, and, and you'll be all right. He's proven he can make plays with the ball in his hands. But I thought the three guys he mentioned, and it's much easier, Craig, to be a leader when you produce, and I think those three guys, Tavondre Sweat, Jatavian Sanders, and Jalen Ford, the fact that they had to, they produced, and now it's just naturally time for them to step into those leadership roles. And then you look at those guys in their position groups. I mean, JT's, it's a relatively inexperienced tight end group anyway, but he's kind of been the, the lead dog in that group. With Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo moving on, Tavondre Sweat, it's his turn to, to sit at the head of the table. And Jalen Ford's already had to make that transition during the bowl practices with DeMarvin Overson opting out. So you need to – I think it's really important. You go back to what's made this team a successful group. Uh, and, again, you can – it's up to debate. Do you think 8-4 is a good year or whatever, or whatever the final record ends up being? Uh, but I think where you really go to, PK mentioned it. Uh, PK mentioned it in this press conference the other day. I know Kyle Flood talked about it yesterday. When they got back to work in January for the winter workouts, coming off a of five and seven season, that's where a lot of the, the you know the culture and and the camaraderie and the leadership. That's where a lot of that started to develop. The roots of it were in winter conditioning. So to know who you can count on as a leader, this coaching staff can count on. That's huge when they get back in January. Yeah, no no question about that. Uh, and uh, and as we mentioned earlier, of course, uh, Longhorn basketball with the win uh, last night behind Marcus Carr's career high tying forty. He actually scored forty one in a game for Minnesota when he played a, a couple of seasons ago. So he tied his career high in total points scored and then tied the UT records of eight three-pointers. Actually, that was a, a solo record, eight three-pointers and a half. There were several Longhorns who had the A.J. Abrams was on it like five times, yeah. I think, on that list of having six three-pointers and McNeil. a half. McNeil. Uh, yeah, there you go. Booby uh, Gibson was on there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so so you had that, and then uh, and then of course uh, the ten three pointers tied the record with Al Coleman. You know, in and the uh, forty one points, as you pointed out, the the most scored by a Longhorn in a home game since Reggie Freeman had uh, had forty three against Fresno State uh, back in ninety six. Um, it, it was funny you, you brought up uh, last hour, Jeff, the, about the fact about some of these old names coming up, like Jim Crevax, who had thirty-three and a half, and he tied that record with thirty-three and a half. Crevax got his in the second half of that game, uh, of his game, and uh, we, we were mentioning that the all-time scoring record was forty-nine, uh, shared by Raymond Downs in nineteen fifty-six and Slater Martin in nineteen forty-nine. So there were there were those. Um, there were those uh, marks as well. Well, in going down that memory lane and, and uh, di- digging up those names, mm-hmm. uh, it also brought about some memories from Eddie Oren, 
who of course was around a lot of that stuff and 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 talked about a lot of those those games and one of the things that uh, that uh, Eddie mentioned was he remembers a game in Waco where BJ Tyler had 29 points in the first half and uh or had 20 I think he had yeah he had 29 in the first half they get to halftime and he said Tom Pender said go for 50 go for 50 <laughs> And B.J. did not score a point in the second half. <laughs> he wound up with 29. He had 29 at the half, and he wound up with 29. But he remembers some things like that back then. It's funny. Hey, can I go back to football? Mark was asked during the press conference kind of what's at stake tomorrow. Yeah. And he mentioned not, uh, getting a, you know, finishing off a nine-win season. You realize since the 2009 season that ended with the loss to Alabama and Pasadena, Texas only won, had two nine-win seasons. One was here. 2012. Yeah, the one over Oregon State. And then the Sugar Bowl year. Yeah, yeah. Winning so, nine in the regular season and, and getting a tenth one in the bowl game. Yeah, yeah. So it's they've been few and far between yeah. after we got used to, what was it, ten straight nine-win seasons? Yeah, which one of the one of the true golden eras of Texas football yeah. that, that, that we've seen. Certainly the golden era in my lifetime. Yep, absolutely. I think uh, Man, mine as well. It just, it just reminds you, Craig, how long of a road this has been. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is this since since that since that 2012 Alamo Bowl has been what? Sarker's what, the fourth fourth head coach? Mac, Charlie, Tom. Yeah, fourth head coach this program has had. So it's been a long road. Which is why, and I've said this all along, and I'll say it one more time here before this game, that I understand completely uh, the angst, the frustration, uh, the long-suffering nature that Longhorn fans have had to deal with and endure because of what has happened in the decade since. I, I, I get all that. Um, having said that, anybody that's around this program can see that he's building something. But because there's been so much PTSD for, uh, for <laughs> Longhorn fans over the past decade, I also get that. I also understand uh, the cynicism or the doubt or the or the skepticism, uh, the the dubious nature of show me what you can do now. We've seen hope of this before. We we saw hope of this when they won the Sugar Bowl. That that sort of it it, it all makes sense. It's all understandable. Uh, but as we pointed out, Sark doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. His his task and his charge now is to get it to how it was in those glory years that you talked about, those golden years. Yeah. And and any win tomorrow night would be a step toward that direction. A loss, by the same token, I don't think derails any of that stuff, given because the team that will take the field tomorrow night is not the same team that played the balance of the regular season. We know that yeah. with 2,500 uh, yards of rushing that won't be out there tomorrow that was there between Bijan and Roshan. We know that. We know that you know with no DeMar even overshot. It doesn't mean the team can't win the game and it doesn't mean that they certainly aren't capable of it it's just it'll be different and and if they win it's a nice end to it uh if they don't it was a bowl game that happened after a turning point season of of eight wins during the course of the year to try to get this whole thing flipped yeah what, what you just said i've said that about the two previous head coaches like charlie strong didn't break it but it was he was hired to fix it and Tom Herman didn't break it, but he was hired to fix it. And Sark didn't break it, but he was hired to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. What I like about what Sark is doing is you can see the vision of, of – of, and I think that's the big part, Craig, of fixing it, is identifying the problems mm-hmm. as early as possible. And we know Sark was late to identify some of these problems. I think, like, leadership was one of them last year. He we, said it. We talked about that. Mission. Talked about that time and again. But it's identifying the problems and how quickly can you get those problems fixed. Like, 
you know, I know we talk about talent acquisition a lot, but he realized, hey, you need to be bigger, deeper, and more talented on the offensive line. And sure. they've addressed that in in two recruiting cycles. Now, uh, they've got, you know, they've got a really good quarterback pipeline going. Quinn Ewers is on campus now. Arch Manning gets here in January. And then we've seen player development. Like, guys are getting better. Like, whether it's Jalen Ford or Jade Barron, Kelvin Banks throughout the year. Anthony J- Cook. Jatavian Sanders. I mean, you mm-hmm. see guys from point A in camp to where they are now. Yep. You can look at a lot. You couldn't say that last year about a ton of guys, but now you look at this roster and say, yes, player X is better. And I'm not just talking about Xavier Worthy, but player X is better now than he was at the start of camp or even back in spring ball. There's some things to keep in mind. Jeff and I will be back to wrap it up to today's edition of, of uh, Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Adam Sandler has extended his stand-up tour into 2023, and the Horn has your tickets now. Register on the contest page at hornfm. It's going to wrap it up from here at the Alamo Bowl. Of course, the bowl game is tomorrow. Um It'll wrap up today's show inside the Alamo Dome, but not our programs from the Alamo City. Right. So we'll, we'll have that. Aaron Hogan will be down here tomorrow. Yep. You'll be here tomorrow. I'll be in studio getting yep. those Longhorn notebooks ready, three keys to a Longhorn victory, and three matchups to watch tomorrow night. So we'll so we'll do that. And then, of course, we bring you the game tomorrow as well with the pregame coverage starting at 4 o'clock. Uh, thanks to our producer back in the studio, Snoop Daniel. Uh, for my co-host Jeff Howe, I'm Craig White. We thank you for joining us. I invite you to stay tuned. Chad and Zay are up next, and I'll visit with you from here in San Antonio tomorrow morning on Light the Tower on the Horn.